Before we dive into the episode, I wanted to let you know I have a free on-demand masterclass called Five Steps to Writing a Novel Without Letting Perfectionism or Procrastination Get in the Way. In this free training, I cover things like where perfectionism comes from, how it's directly linked to procrastination, and what you can do right now to start making real progress with your writing. I also talk about the problem with popular plotting methods and how they can do more harm than good, especially if you're brand new to writing. And last but certainly not least, I share some of the most common mistakes I see writers make so you can avoid them and make this the year you finish your novel. If this sounds like something you're interested in, you can sign up for free at savannagilbo.com forward slash training. One more time, that's savannagilbo.com forward slash training to get your hands on this free masterclass. And then second, I want you to understand that although readers do appreciate beautiful writing, the beautiful writing is not what keeps a reader engaged with the story and makes them want to find out what happens next. It's the actual story underneath those words or the meaning of the story that really hooks readers and brings those beautiful words to life. So long story short, or the lesson here is that great writing comes from great stories, not the other way around. Welcome to the Fiction Writing Made Easy podcast. My name is Savannah Gilbo, and I'm here to help you write a story that works. I want to prove to you that writing a novel doesn't have to be overwhelming. So each week, I'll bring you a brand new episode with simple, actionable, and step-by-step strategies that you can implement in your writing right away. So whether you're brand new to writing or more of a seasoned author looking to improve your craft, this podcast is for you. So pick up a pen and let's get started. In today's episode, we're going to do something fun and a little different. Since we're nearing the end of 2021, I thought it would be fun to continue with last week's theme of lessons learned over the last 12 months. I hope some of the lessons that you've learned this year have come from this podcast, and I hope you've walked away each week with a new strategy to implement or a new idea to explore. And I hope you're closer to accomplishing your big, beautiful writing goals as well. So as we inch our way closer to counting down until the ball drops, I wanted to count down some of the best clips from the Fiction Writing Made Easy podcast in 2021. You're going to hear clips from the top 10 most listened to episodes, so I know it's going to be full of good stuff. We're going to talk about setting goals, identifying your target reader, writing better scenes, the theme or the key takeaway of your story, how to choose between multiple story ideas character backstory, genre, and writing books full of beautiful words. So I won't make you wait any longer. Let's go ahead and count down clips from our 10 most listened to episodes, starting with number 10. Number 10 comes from episode number eight, Seven Secrets to Success That Every Writer Should Know. In this episode, I talk about seven secrets that will completely transform your writing practice. And these secrets really come from years and years of working with writers and noticing which traits and habits make some writers more successful than others. And in this clip, I'm talking about getting clear on your goals so that you'll have a better chance of accomplishing them. So let's check it out. The third secret to success is having clarity. In other words, you have to be clear about what your goals are and how you're going to accomplish those goals. So the first thing we need to do is get clear on what you're trying to do. If your goal is to write a book, then what kind of book are you trying to write? So are you trying to write something like a 12-page children's book or an 80,000-word novel or something else? And then once you have clarity around what you're trying to accomplish, you need to get clear on how you're going to accomplish it. So if your goal is to write an 80,000-word novel, how are you going to track whether or not you've accomplished that goal? One way, of course, is through your word count, right? We know that your goal is to try to write an 80,000-word novel, but 
Is there also a deadline you're working to or a date that you'd like to have your first draft completed? For example, say you want to write an 80,000 word first draft in eight months. That means you're going to have to write about 10,000 words each month. So how exactly are you going to get this done? Are you going to write 2,500 words each week or break up the word count in a different way? Once you decide that, I want you to think about where you're going to do the work. So are you going to be able to write those 10,000 words each month at home or do you need to make other arrangements? I mean, ideally, you'd be doing this writing somewhere where you can focus and you're not going to be disturbed or constantly interrupted, right? So where is that place that you're going to get this writing done? And all of these questions just help us turn the larger goal of writing a book into smaller, more actionable steps that feel concrete and that feel like something we can actually do or take action on, right? The final thing you'll want to get clear on is your motivation. So what's driving you to write a book in the first place, or why do you even care so much about being a writer? And the secret here is to keep digging into what's motivating you until you come up with an answer that feels like it's going to sustain you all the way until that last page of your draft. So what I like to do is just keep asking myself why until I can't ask myself why anymore. Usually that helps me get to the root of my motivation. And then once you've gotten clear on these three things, so exactly what you're trying to do, how you're going to accomplish it, and what's going to motivate you to get all the way to the end, you can drill down even further and get clear on what kind of story you're actually writing. So you can ask things like, what is the genre of my story? Or who is my protagonist? And what does he or she want? Or what is the central conflict of my story going to be? You know, things like that. And don't forget, the more clear that you can be with all of your goals, the better. All right, moving along to number nine. This one comes from episode number four, how to identify your story's ideal reader. And in this episode, I talk about why it's important to know who your ideal reader is. In this clip, I explain what an ideal reader is, and then I explain four ways that knowing your ideal reader can help you on your writing journey. Let's take a listen. An ideal reader is someone who's going to love your book as much as you love your book. They represent someone that's going to pick up your book, really enjoy reading it, recommend it to all their friends and family, and maybe even spend the time to go on Amazon or Goodreads and leave you a glowing five-star review. So basically, they are your story's future biggest fan. Knowing your ideal reader can help you write with purpose and then edit with focus. So if you know who your ideal reader is before you start writing, it's going to be much easier for you to craft a story that's going to meet their wants, needs, and expectations. You're going to be able to create certain characters or plot events or settings or themes that are going to appeal directly to your ideal reader and your target audience, and that's going to deliver the emotional experience that he or she is looking for. And then when it comes time to edit, having an idea of who your ideal reader is, is going to help you focus on what's most important. So I think editing can be a little overwhelming for most people, but if you know who you're writing for and what that person wants, needs, and expects from a story like yours, then it's going to be a lot easier for you to get rid of any characters or settings or events or themes that won't appeal to your target audience. And then beyond writing and editing your book, having an idea of who your ideal reader is or who your target audience is is going to help you when it comes time to publish your book, whether you're going to go the traditional route or the self-publishing route. 
If part of your plan is pitching agents, then these agents are going to want to know that you understand who your target audience is, since part of their job is going to be connecting that audience with your story. If you can speak knowingly about your target audience, then agents are going to know that you've thought about the marketplace in which your book is going to enter, and this will just make the whole process of finding and pitching agents to represent your book that much easier. If you're going the self-publishing route, then understanding your target audience is going to help you market your book. So knowing who your target audience is will enable you to figure out which communities or groups of people you should be reaching out to and how you can go about getting those people interested in your book. And when you know this kind of thing up front, it's going to save you a lot of time or stress spinning your wheels and you know, wasting your energy trying to get your book in front of the wrong group of people or people who aren't really going to enjoy your book, even if it is really well written. And I really love that one because it's not something we think about all the time, right? But it's so, so important. If you haven't identified your ideal reader, go check out that episode and the exercise that goes along with it. You'll get to know your ideal reader in no time. Moving on to number eight, and this one comes from episode number 43, 10 Tips for Writing Better Scenes. And this one's fun because writers ask me all the time, do you have any tips for writing better scenes? Or is there anything I can do to make this whole writing a book thing easier? And my answer is always yes. If you can learn how to write a well-structured scene, it will make a huge difference in your ability to write a story that works. So let's just dive right into this clip. The third tip I have for you is to make sure that your character has a specific goal in each and every scene. So what does your character want to achieve or accomplish or learn in this particular scene? Or what are they specifically trying to do? And their goal could literally be anything. It could be something as simple as your character wanting to go down to the river to fill up a bucket of water so that he can make breakfast for his family. It could be as complex as your character wanting to confront and defeat the evil dark lord so that humanity can survive. Regardless of what it is, your character needs to be trying to accomplish something and their goal needs to be clear within the first few paragraphs. This is how readers relate to and invest in your character throughout the entire story. This is also how you're going to help or prevent your characters from achieving or accomplishing their big picture story goal too. So one scene at a time. Now, I should mention that this seems to be something that confuses a lot of writers. Some writers feel like the word goal is too big or too lofty. So if you'd like, feel free to just ask yourself, what is this character trying to do in this scene? You're probably not doing your story justice if your character is sitting on the couch with no goal or ambition, waiting for the plot events to move them into action. And the reason that doesn't work is because A, your characters just don't seem real, because in real life we all have goals big and small, and B, this doesn't provide any room for conflict. If your character has no goal, then nothing can get in the way, and if there's no conflict, then you don't really have a story worth reading. And that's such a good one, right? I love that episode. I don't ever go back and listen to episodes once they're published, but I re-listen to the ones I'm including in today's episode. And that one about writing better scenes, episode number 43, that was a good one. Definitely add it to your list if you haven't checked it out already. And speaking of scenes, number seven comes from another episode about writing scenes. I look at the analytics for this podcast every now and then to see which episodes you all are liking, and you all love episodes about scenes. And it's so cool because I could talk about writing scenes all day. And in a way, I do because I'm an editor and a book coach, which thinking about that now, that's too funny. 
But anyway, number seven comes from episode number 40, how to write a well-structured scene. Here it is. Commandment number three is that there needs to be a crisis moment or a moment where your character faces a decision about how to move forward. So after the turning point comes in and ruins your character's plans for achieving their scene goal, they have to decide what to do next. Will they do X or will they do Y? And ideally, you want these options to carry the same weight. So ideally, they're equally bad options or equally good options. And the reason for that is because if you have to choose between a good thing and a bad thing, you're obviously going to choose the good thing, right? It's a predictable decision. If you had to choose between two equally bad or two equally good choices, then that's when things start to get interesting. And not only that, but this is one of the main ways you can show readers who your characters are through the decisions that they make. We're going to talk about this more when we look at an example later, but for now, just remember that in every scene, your character needs to face a decision between X and Y, and ideally, the choices are either equally bad or equally good. And not only that, but there needs to be something at stake with either option too. So if they choose X, what do they stand to lose or gain? If they choose Y, what do they stand to lose or gain? This is how you're going to make things interesting in each and every scene. And I love that one so much. I know I'm a nerd about this stuff, but I think it's so fun to think up tough choices for characters in a scene. But maybe that's just me. So let's move on to the next one. Number six comes from episode number five, three ways to figure out the theme of your story. And in this episode, I talk about a few different ways to uncover the theme of your story. I also talk about a common fear that always crops up whenever a writer talks to me about theme. And that fear is, what if my theme isn't unique enough? Or what if it's cliche? So let's have a listen. And if this happens, I don't want you to panic because here's a secret. Your theme does not have to be original. Think about it. How many books have you read that could be boiled down to good versus evil or love conquers all, right? There's plenty. People could write about either of these themes or topics for a 100 years and never run out of different things to say or different perspectives, right? And here's another important thing is that readers don't get tired of these universal themes What they get tired of is the same themes being expressed in the same way, in the same genre, with the same plot and characters and the way they're all combined. So don't worry if what you've come up with sounds generic or cliche. Your theme will grow, deepen, and change as you get to know your story better. Remember, if you can articulate what your book is about and why telling this story matters to you, then that is more than enough to guide you through your first few drafts. And that's so true, right? As a reader, I feel like I tend to like stories that revolve around the same themes. You'll have to let me know if I'm the only one. So tell me in the reviews or on social media or however you want to get a hold of me because I'm actually super curious about that. Think about your top five books of all time and think about if they have a similar message or not. I think that's so interesting to think about. So let me know and let's move on to number five. Number five comes from episode number six, three reasons why you should write in scenes, not chapters. And in this episode, I talk about the difference between scenes and chapters and also why you should write and edit your first draft scene by scene, not chapter by chapter. So let's have a listen. I always tell the writers I work with that it's better to write scenes outside of the chapter format because then you're not worrying about cliffhangers or if the very beginning of your chapter is interesting or not. Because of that, writing in scenes instead of chapters is going to help you write a more complete and well-fleshed out story on your first draft. The other thing is you won't have to worry about how each chapter ends or how one chapter transitions into the next 
because you're just going to be worrying about writing each scene, which needs to be its own little mini story. And then you're going to move on to the next scene and the next scene until you have a finished draft. And then when it's time to turn those scenes into chapters, you can end them at the most exciting or most interesting parts of your scenes so that readers will kind of feel that tug and they'll want to keep reading. Because we all know that chapters are generally more exciting when they end at a high tension moment or before a character comes to a crucial decision, right? But if we write with those kind of things in mind, we're kind of, we're just missing that underlying scene structure. That's really important if you want to write a story that works. I think this also helps writers make that change from writing a bunch of things that happen in a chapter to writing real scenes that are impactful and advance the story forward. And just this little shift is going to make a huge impact on the quality of your first draft. This tip is usually a big aha moment for the writers I work with. If you've never tried writing your draft in scenes and if you've always focused on chapters, I highly recommend giving this a try. Shifting your lens to focus on writing one complete scene after another, because in a way, it takes some of the pressure off the whole process. So give it a try. Moving on to number four. This one comes from episode three, how to decide which story idea to write next. And in this episode, I give five different ways you can decide which story idea to work on next if you're torn between multiple different ideas. So let's check it out. The next thing I want you to consider is... Will any of these ideas help me become a better writer? So for example, the other day I was working with a writer who had two different ideas that she was trying to choose between. And one of them was an idea for a romance novel that in her words felt really fun and a little bit more fleshed out. The other idea she was considering was one that felt more complicated to her because it was based on her real life experiences. And she just felt a lot of pressure to kind of get it right. So since she was brand new to writing and this was going to be her first book, my advice to her was to go with the idea that felt more fun and exciting and less complex so that she could really focus on learning some of those fundamental writing skills before she ever tackled the other story that felt more challenging and that had more pressure attached to it. And another example of this is if you were considering writing a story with a single point of view versus a story with multiple point of views. So if you're brand new to writing, I'm always going to recommend sticking with a story that has a single point of view so that you can learn what it takes to write a story that works before complicating things with multiple point of views. But on the other hand, if you've already mastered writing from a single point of view, then a story with multiple point of views might be a great next challenge for you. So it really just depends where you're at now and what you're hoping to get better at next. And I don't know about you, but I love flexible answers. So if you're in this spot in the process, do that. And if you're in this other spot, do that. I like knowing that there are options, but again, maybe that's just me. So let's keep going on to number three. Number three comes from episode seven, five questions to help you write better characters. And this is a great episode to listen to if you need to flesh out your story's protagonist. The clip I'm going to share with you is all about your character's backstory. So let's go ahead and dive in. Just like in our own real life, your character is going to have a past. They're going to have a backstory that's full of everything that's ever happened to them before the reader meets them on page one, right? And this backstory is going to color everything that's happening to them in the story present. So to really uncover what's standing in your character's way internally, you're going to have to dig into your character's relevant backstory to uncover useful pieces of information that's not only going to help your character feel like a real person, 
but is also going to help you create inner conflict for your character to face and some kind of inner conflict for them to overcome, right? So inner conflict is really whatever your character brings to the story, both emotionally and intellectually. This can be something like doubt maybe in themselves or their abilities. It can be confusion about how the world works, um, some kind of false belief about themselves or the world, you know, just any of these things that we grapple with inside of ourselves. And then whatever kind of internal conflict you come up with, this is what your character is going to need to face and overcome in order to succeed in overcoming their external conflict. So for example, in a story like Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Harry's internal conflict really centers around the fact that he's not fully aware of what happened in his past and he doesn't quite believe that he deserves the title of the boy who lived or this reputation for defeating Voldemort when he really doesn't even remember what happened. So he kind of has this lack of confidence or a lack of self-belief that he has to deal with in that book in order to really go up against Voldemort at the very end. So good, right? This is one of the biggest things writers need help with when I coach them one-on-one. So if you're having trouble digging into your character's past, you're not alone. But if you can get this right, that's what will help you craft a character who feels believable and three-dimensional. So go check out that episode. Number two comes from episode number two, Understanding Genre, How to Write Better Stories. And I have to tell you that writers email me all the time saying, can you please do an episode on the key scenes and conventions of science fiction and fantasy stories? And every time I feel so bad saying no, but in this clip, I share why. So let's take a listen. Now, I'm sure a lot of you are wondering why I didn't mention science fiction or fantasy in the list of content genres. And that's because fantasy and science fiction are commercial genres or consumer-facing labels, but they aren't content genres. So let me explain that a little. These labels of science fiction and fantasy tell the reader that there's going to be futuristic or scientific or magical or fantastic elements in a novel, but these labels don't really tell the reader or the writer what the story's actually going to be about or what kind of content is going to show up in the story or how the reader is going to feel while reading it. So what this means for someone who's writing science fiction or fantasy is that you still need to pick at least one of those 12 content genres in order to write a story that works. So for example, you could write an action story that takes place in a futuristic setting or something like a romance that takes place in a fantasy world or really whatever combination you want, right? And some of you guys know that I'm working on my own fantasy series. And when I first learned this, that fantasy and science fiction stories need to have a primary content genre, it kind of blew my mind in a good way. Because, I mean, it makes a ton of sense when you think about it, but it's not something that I would have naturally thought about without someone kind of opening my mind to this idea, right? And anyway, it's been super helpful for me because... It almost takes the pressure off me a little bit and and it gives me the guidance on what I need to do if I want to write a story that works. And I'm not lying when I say that this was one of the biggest aha moments for me with my own current draft in progress. A lot of you know that I'm working on a fantasy series and when I learned about this whole content genre thing, it really freed me up and gave me the tools I needed to start making actual progress. So if you haven't listened to that episode, you're definitely going to want to add that to your list of things to catch up on over the holidays. Moving on to number one, this clip comes from the most listened to episode on the podcast. And that's episode number one, the number one myth that holds writers back. I won't even intro this one. Let's just dive right into it. 
So where does this insidious myth come from? Or why do we believe that you have to write beautiful sentences or beautiful words in order to write a great story or to be a quote unquote real writer? Mostly, I think this happens because we're so used to looking at someone else's finished product and comparing our little nugget of an idea or our messy pages to someone's polished final draft that's often been made extra beautiful by editors and proofreaders and cover designers and all the people that are involved in getting that book out into the world. And I mean, this comparing of our own work to someone's final or published work is really hard not to do, right? I mean, I'm still guilty of doing this myself sometimes. Like, The second I start thinking about all the world building and the subplots and the amazing magic system in the Harry Potter series, I start kind of feeling overwhelmed and a little bit inadequate. Or when I reread The Name of the Wind for the billionth time, I sometimes agonize over not being able to write the type of beautiful lyrical sentences that Patrick Rothfuss does. And no joke, you guys, some of those sentences give me happy tears because that book is just so darn beautiful. So what's my point in all of this? Well, my point is that this happens to everybody at one time or another, and there is a solution or a fix to this. So the first thing we need to do to kind of combat this myth is to be aware of what we're doing and aware of what we believe. So that means you need to stop comparing your work in progress to someone else's finished draft or to someone else's published book. And of course, you can still use other people's books to study for educational purposes or even for inspiration, but I want you to realize that their finished book or even their finished draft and your draft in progress or your little nugget of an idea are completely different things. And then second, I want you to understand that although readers do appreciate beautiful writing, the beautiful writing is not what keeps a reader engaged with the story and makes them want to find out what happens next. It's the actual story underneath those words or the meaning of the story that really hooks readers and brings those beautiful words to life. So long story short, or the lesson here is that great writing comes from great stories, not the other way around. And there you have it. Some of the best clips from the Fiction Writing Made Easy podcast in 2021. If any of these clips sparked your attention and you haven't checked out the full episode yet, be sure to go back and take a listen. I'll have all of the episodes linked up for you in the show notes for easy access. Thank you so much for counting down with me, and I can't wait for you to see what I have in store for you for 2022. So be sure to follow this show or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, share it with all your writer friends so that we can all work together next year to get more amazing stories into the world. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but week after week or whenever there's a new episode. I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and that I get to share all these writing tips and strategies with you. And I'm so excited to see all the wonderful things that 2022 has in store for us. So I will talk to you in the new year. So that's it for today's show. As always, I want to thank you so much for tuning in and showing your support. If you want to check out any of the links I mentioned in this episode, you can find them over at savannagilbo.com forward slash podcast. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the show because there's going to be another brand new episode coming out next week. If you're an Apple user, I'd really appreciate it if you took a few seconds to leave a quick rating and review. Your ratings and reviews tell iTunes that this is a podcast that's worth listening to. And in turn, that helps this show get in front of more fiction writers just like you. So that's it for today's show. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, happy writing.